What's up, guys? Brett Apley here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks here on the Mayo Media Network. As always, going to give you my favorite cash game play, tournament play, salary play, and my fade of the week for UFC Fight Night, Cannoneer vs. Gastelum. It's a pretty interesting slate. We got 12 fights, um, no favorite heavier than minus 200, so it, it's going to be a wild card, guys. Uh, before I get into it, though, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, like the video, comment below who your favorite DraftKings play of the week is, and who are you paying up for this week? I mean, William Knight at the top, Chase Sherman, Mark Madsen, Kelleher, not a lot of safe options, so curious who you're starting your lineups out on this particular slate. All right, guys, my favorite cash game play of the week is going to be Mark Madsen up at 9.1K. So the reason why Madsen at 9.1K is maybe a bit atypical of a cash game play for me it's because he's only minus 155 to win against Clay Guida. So there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Madsen is overpriced here. And typically you're looking for value in cash games. So if a fighter is overpriced compared to their betting odds, you don't want to play them. If they're underpriced, maybe you do want to play them. But as already mentioned, there's no favorite heavier than minus 200. So you can consider Sherman in cash games, 9.2K. William Knight's up at minus 175. So there's just not a lot of separation in the betting market right now in this top tier. However, I like Madsen because what he doesn't provide in terms of safety in the betting line, he provides in terms of wrestling equity. And that gives him both a high floor and ceiling. Madsen, I believe, is a silver medalist in the Olympics, and that's what he looks to do. He comes in trying to land takedowns. He's very skilled, and he's going to go back to the well over and over. He's fought twice in the UFC, one by first round TKO against Danilo Beloardo after he landed a takedown, so that was on the mat. And then he's coming off a win over Austin Hubbard in which he landed eight takedowns. He only landed 15 significant strikes in 15 minutes, but he landed eight takedowns. And grappling scores very well on DraftKings. I'll say it over and over again. He attempted 12 takedowns in that fight, landed eight of them, earned more than eight minutes of control time. So that's why grappling is so important. Not only do you get the takedowns, you get the control, you get the ability to score non-significant strikes. Madsen's not a great ground and pound specialist, but you know that, that, that fight, that wasn't a spectacular performance by any stretch of the imagination. Decision, 15 strikes, yet Madsen still put up 91 points in a decision. The risk with fighters like William Knight and Chase Sherman and even Brian Kelleher, if they're not scoring big, they might just be losing the fight. And I don't exactly see that happening for Madsen. I think, you know, there are some risks with him. He's Again, he's not a great striker at range. Maybe his cardio is a concern, but he's going to go out there and he's going to land some takedowns on Clay Guida. And he is a favorite to win. Um, I think it's very realistic that he puts up five or more takedowns if the fight does go the distance, <clears throat> which it is projected to currently at uh, see, minus 205, minus 215. So this fight is likely to go 15 minutes. Give me Madsen as the favorite, a guy who's expected to, once again, put on a, a wrestling clinic here, land a bunch of takedowns. He is not the safest fighter on the slate in terms of his ability to win this fight, but I think he's going to put up, uh, put up a fairly safe score, potentially even in a loss. He's still likely to win. Uh, high floor and ceiling, 9.1K. Madsen is my cash game play of the week.
Moving on to my tournament play of the week, I'm going to give out Ramiz Brahimaj at 8.5K. And by the way, I've had a horrible case of the hiccups all day. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, if I get hiccups once in a day, I'll get them like five other times, like in these bouts. So try recording a podcast while you have a case of the hiccups. I, this, so this is not my first take. I'll just say that. Anyways, Brahimaja 8.5K, I like in tournaments again for his grappling upside but the problem with Brahimaj I'm going to pull up his topology record here Brahimaj is eight and three professionally all eight of his wins have come by submission okay and I think all of them have come in round one one has come in round two so so all eight of his wins are by submission seven have come in round one one has come in round two he fought his UFC debut against Max Griffin, and what do you think that he did? He decided to attempt zero takedowns. So naturally, he went out there and got outstriked and got finished in round three, almost got his ear torn off. That was just a terrible performance, and that is the risk in this fight. For a guy who's so dependent on grappling, it's it's obviously a major red flag, a major concern to see him come into the UFC and just decide to abandon his strength, decide not to wrestle. And it's not like he's the worst striker in the world, but he's not a UFC level striker. I mean, he's a he's a grappler. That's what he excels at. So, if he doesn't come in looking to wrestle here against Sasha Palantikov, he probably loses again. He probably gets knocked out. So there's no safety in this play at all. Um, he's only minus 140 to win. But if Brahimaj wins, I do expect it comes from takedowns and grappling, as we've already mentioned. And his opponent, Palantikov, is coming off a loss to Impa Kasanganai, in which he was taken down twice in about six minutes and was submitted. And so the, the path to victory is there for Brahimaj. I, if, he do, if he goes out there and tries to wrestle, I think he can land takedowns. I think he can advance position. I think he can take the back and probably get a rear naked choke as well. His inside distance line is strong at plus 160, which is another factor I always look at for 8.5K. That's one of the best inside distance lines. In this range, he has a very strong chance to finish in a victory, and it's very likely to come from grappling. So this is a, a boomer bust play in a, in a sense. I can't even tell you with certainty that Brahimaj is even going to go looking for takedowns, but it's so obvious that it it's his most likely path to victory, what he's best at. He is still a minus 140 favorite, good inside distance line. If Brahimaj puts up a win, I'm expecting him to exceed value there at 8.5k. Maybe he'll come in lower owned because of all these risks, but Brahimaj is going to be my tournament play of the week. Moving on to my salary play of the week, I'm going to give out Kelvin Gastelum at 7.5K. And to, to be completely honest, you know, we already talked about this. There's just so many competitive fights on the card. So even as far down as the cheapest fighter on the slate, uh, Fabio Charant, 6.8K, Charant is plus 150. So all of these underdogs can win, and, and they're all in play for that reason. Um and I'm expecting to see several fighters below the mid-range come through with victories, which just adds to the crazy variance of this slate. Gastelum is in the main event against Jared Cannonier. He's a plus 136 underdog, so right off the bat, we have value on that line at 7.5K, only plus 136, 135 to win. I see him at plus 130 in other spots, so he's pretty likely to win 
compared to the historic value of a fighter priced at 7.5k and he has five rounds to work with in the main event so even if he wins by decision he's still going to have to outproduce cannoneer over 25 minutes that's likely to give him a reasonable floor and ceiling in a victory i like the fact that gastelum theoretically has a, a grappling edge here he lands 1.16 takedowns per 15 minutes Cannoneer defends at 54%. I'm not convinced that Gastelum's going to just dominate him on the mat, but it's a path of victory. And he, you know, landed six takedowns in his last victory against Ian Heinish. Cannoneer, Cannoneer typically wins by early knockout. That's the thing. His last three wins, second round knockout, Hermanson, first round knockout, Anderson Silva, second round knockout against David Branch. It's not the most spectacular resume in the world, and I'm just not certain that he's going to beat Gastelum over five rounds if he can't knock him out early. And and I don't think Gastelum has ever been knocked out. Gastelum's extremely tough, um, 17 and seven professionally. Let me just pull up his loss record real quick. Uh, yeah, two losses by submission, five by decision. He has been hurt before, so it's not impossible. But um, Gastelum is historically tough. And on the other side, Cannoneer typically gets finished when he loses or knocked down. In his last three losses, he's been knocked down in all of them and he was pretty close to being knocked out by robert whitaker in that decision loss in october um and going back to when he was in the heavyweight division he was knocked out there too so he he gets hurt a lot i'm just not all that convinced that even if cannoneer is maybe a more dangerous striker than gastelum gastelum might have the durability advantage gastelum definitely has a speed advantage and a grappling advantage and an experience advantage he's fought five rounds on multiple occasions, um, coming off a five-round loss to Robert Whitaker. So it's not that I think Gastelum's such an amazing play here and is so overwhelmingly likely to beat Cannoneer, but if you're looking for exposure to the main event and you don't want to pay up for Cannoneer, Gastelum's a solid value play at 7.5K, has some wrestling upside, has some knockdown equity, decent value on the line, and just a solid secondary option for me that I'm definitely going to have exposure to this week. Gastelum will be my salary play of the week. Finally, my fade of the week. This one was really challenging for me. Um, I originally was going to talk about Trevin Jones, but then Jones' inside distance line came out. It's like plus 115, the best line, one of the best lines on the entire slate there. So I, I don't feel that I can talk about Jones as a fade of the week. And to be quite honest, I, I like – I think almost all of these fighters are in play, and I'll just run through them real quick. Knight has finishing upside. Sherman has finishing upside. So does Kelleher. So does Pantoja and Jones and Cannoneer. We already talked about Madsen's grappling. Malecki's fighting a, a, a total newbie. Um, I could see her putting up a big score. Brahimaj, we already talked about. So now we're getting into the the mid-range, and I think that's where the potential fades are. I like Roberts a little bit. Saldana versus Lingo is an interesting fade candidate, and Pichel versus Hubbard is an interesting fade candidate. I'm going to give out Austin Hubbard officially as my fade of the week simply because I'm not going to play a lot of him. I'm going to play almost none of him with a limited number of lineups, so that's why I'm giving this out. doesn't mean you can't play him. Um, or that he's a terrible fighter, but out of all the fighters I've named, 8K and above, he's my least favorite. 
Um, he's fighting Vince Pichel in a matchup that's minus 110 on both sides currently. So it is a pick -em. And Hubbard's um, not a bad fighter. He, he can defend takedowns, scramble up to his feet. He's a decent boxer. He has a path to victory here. But I don't think he has a ton of grappling equity against Pichel, who's a better submission grappler and probably a better wrestler. And Hubbard also is a very poor inside distance line at plus four or five and that's kind of what swings it for me almost every single every single fighter that i named north of hubbard has a reasonable shot to win inside the distance based on that inside the distance line and hubbard just does it plus four or fives one of the worst numbers on the entire slate without much grappling upside you're just looking at him to defend some takedowns land some significant strikes and win a decision and i just don't see that being likely as ending up on the optimal lineup on this particular slate. I just think there are too many options on this slate that have high upside. And Hubbard does it, not from his striking metrics. Again, he lands, what, 3.66 significant strikes per minute, 0.8 takedowns, and a poor inside distance line. So I'm not interested in Hubbard on this slate, and he's going to be my fade of the week. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's UFC Quick Picks. Thank you so much for the support. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brad Apley, double T, double P. DailyFanMMA.com has all your DraftKings breakdowns needs. we got full matchup breakdowns, written analysis, podcasts coming out today, projections, rankings, betting content, and more. So please check that out, DailyFanMMA.com. Thanks to Pat and the team for having us on again. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and like the video. Best of luck in your contest this week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.